I believe that perfectionism is is an appropriate reaction and response to living in a world where we are not appropriately attuned to and where our nervous systems need to seek a way to survive. When we are focused on quote unquote perfection, on doing it right by an internal or external rubric, we are out of presence. We are out of authenticity. And we are here on this planet as mammals, as spirits, to grow, to grow, to evolve, to change, to learn the lessons we need to learn. Your nervous system will always prefer to find the unsafety because then it can reduce the chance of you dying. Welcome back, everyone, to Diary of an Empath. My next guest is Maria Victoria Albina. She's a master certified somatic life coach, a family nurse practitioner, and breathwork meditation guide with a passion for helping humans special socialized as women realize that they are their own best healers by reconnecting with their bodies and minds so they can break free from codependence, perfectionism, and people pleasing and reclaim their joy because you know that we do that. I know a lot of you listening. That is the majority of us. We are trying to break free from the perfectionism and the codependency. I'm super excited to have this conversation. So Maria Victoria, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So I'm super excited to have this conversation because these are some of the things that I'm currently still dealing with in my life. Um, but before we get started, I would love to know a little bit about your background and your mission, how would you define your mission? And for you, what do I need to understand about the context of your background to understand who I'm talking to today? Mm, I mean, I think you really encapsulated my mission really well uh, in, in sharing my bio. So um, the things that make my work really different that I think than a lot of what we have historically heard about codependency, perfectionism, and people-pleasing is both uh, a really nerd's nerd neuroscience viewpoint uh, that focuses not just on the psychology, but the biology of why we do the things we do and why we are the ways we are that often feel really problematic and really hurt and are painful and challenging. But um, when we look at the science, we can really help ourselves to release blame, shame, and guilt by understanding the why. So that's one lens and one viewpoint. And the other viewpoint is intersectionally feminist. And so looking at the roles that white settler colonialism, late stage capitalism, or, or neo-feudalism, and the patriarchy play in us being the way we are, right? So, so those are the things that really, uh, in my, yeah, that really set my work apart really set my point of view and my viewpoint apart. Uh, and I believe, and my, my clients tell me that really um, bringing these two vantage points in really helps us to understand ourselves and our thinking um, in a new way that leads to a lot more change because it brings in a lot more compassion. Mm, yeah, I love that. I love that definition of it too. So tell me a little bit about your history. How did you end up getting into this type of work? I know you're in New York now. Where did, where'd you grow up at? 
Um, I came into this work from medicine, from functional medicine. So I'm, uh, as you shared, I'm a functional medicine nurse practitioner, holistic nurse practitioner, uh, and I worked in primary care for many, many years and then had my own clinic in Manhattan um, doing a private practice, doing functional medicine. And what led me to the work that I'm doing now is pattern recognition and really seeing in my patients day after day uh, that they would get better from their chronic concerns, right? Things would ameliorate. They would um, have some sort of like breakthrough in their IBS or their Hashimoto's or whatever the, you know, chronic fatigue, whatever the issue was. But if we didn't address mindset, if we didn't take a really deep look at their nervous system uh, and the narratives and stories that they were telling unwittingly about themselves, about their lives, about their bodies, about their families, about their roles, right? If we didn't really look at both the mindset and regulation within the nervous system, it was often really hard for whatever gains folks would have in their health to really stick. And so because I was dealing with folks with, or not dealing with, I was supporting and loving and caring for folks with chronic health concerns, um, I was really at the, at, I had a really good front row seat to see the interplay of mind, body, and spirit um, with folks who were really willing uh, and really excited to have a new framework and a new way to work with their health because Western medicine has failed so many of us. 100%. Right? I mean, Western so medicine is amazing, right? Like if you have mm -hmm. an infection or a gunshot wound, right? Amazing, incredible, acute heart attack, stroke, fabulous. And cancer care is getting better. But for chronic conditions, there's a huge lapse, right, that is filled not only by supplements, nutrition, right, looking at our lives more holistically through the physical body. But if we're not asking, how's your vagus nerve, right? How are you managing the stress, distress, and trauma uh, that was passed to you ancestrally, that comes from your childhood, that is part and parcel of your family blueprint? I don't see how we can truly heal in, in a long-term holistic way. Mm. I love that you're you're bringing up these conversations that are probably question marks to most people. Vagus mm. nerve, what is that? Yeah. Ancestral trauma and ancestral DNA, what is that? And if, if there's a lack of education on these things, and 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 like you said, gunshot wound, acute things, we're great so at good. it. Like oh my God, we're doing amazing. amazing. But when yeah. it comes to these other conversations, these things are not being taught. And for I'll give you an example. I'm a therapist, mm. and mm. the when I started learning about these things wasn't until, um, a, I got into the podcast world and B, when I started going to a functional medicine physician and he started asking me these questions like, well, your thyroid's not doing well. How are your mm. adrenals? How is your sleep? How is your stress mm. levels? What kind of trauma do you have, you know, in your past? And I'm thinking like, what, what I've never been asked these questions before. And one thing with me is I am a perfectionist by nature, I strive and survive in my hyper independence. It's both been my biggest strength and my biggest weakness. So my question to you is when we're talking about perfectionism, how is that rooted in our trauma? Can it be rooted in our trauma? Well, I'll pause and say, you call yourself whatever you want to call yourself, but I, for one, take great umbrage with the very notion that we are inherently pretty much anything, that one can be 
an, a, a perfectionist by nature, that that doesn't fit into my worldview. I believe that perfectionism is is an appropriate reaction and response to living in a world where we are not appropriately attuned to and where our nervous systems need to seek a way to survive. Um, because when we look at what perfectionism is at its core, I, I think it's, it's, it's unaligned with what it means to be a human, right? To, to be an animal with foibles and fuck ups and, um, an animal that is learning and changing and growing. And when we are in true presence, right? So, so I would say that the greatest and most vital essential human task is to live in our authenticity from a wide open heart. And that calls for presence and intentionality. And when we are focused on quote unquote perfection, on doing it right by an internal or external rubric, we are out of presence. We are out of authenticity, right? Because the authentic expression of a human is all sorts of falling down the stairs and falling back up them on the way back, right? So I would posit that humans cannot be perfectionist by nature, people pleasers by nature, codependent by nature. I really truly believe that these are learned habits. They are survival skills that come about in response to stress, distress, and trauma in our childhood, in our ancestral line, in our society, in our culture, right? Because we cannot grow as humans when we are focused on doing it perfectly. And we are here on this planet as mammals, as spirits, to grow, to grow, to evolve, to change, to learn the lessons we need to learn. And perfectionism keeps us from learning those lessons because it keeps us quiet at the back of the closet, hiding away, trying not to fuck it up, right? Because that is in direct opposition to the perfectionist mindset that says, do it right 100% of the time or don't start it, don't try it, don't even go there. Right. But, but the actual embodied present human experience is one where you F up every minute. And then you learn about it. You figure it out. You apologize. You make amends to, to the world, to yourself. You try again and you do it a little tiny bit more betterly every time. So I don't think one can be a natural perfectionist. What do you think after hearing that? So here's, here's my thoughts and here's where I stand. So I guess, I don't know if maybe I want to use different words like perfectionist versus high achiever. So I'm somebody who doesn't know when to shut off and does not know when to stop like hyper-focus and projects. I'll start a business in a week, but to my detriment where I know for a fact that I'm like, I'm tired, I'm burned out, but yet I can't seem to slow down. I so know what, what I would say, can I pause there? Yes. I would say that it's not that you don't know how to, it's that at some point, and this is just my guess, we just met, right? Tell me that I'm wrong. I'm often wrong. Like I said, I fuck up and I grow. So what I would guess is that it's not that you don't know how to shut down because your body does, right? I practice functional medicine for over a decade. Your body will shut you the fuck down when it needs yep. to right? You will collapse. You will yes. end up in the ER. You will, right? Like shut down, you shall. But what often happens is that we lose connection 
we 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 step out of our capacity to hear our own small signals right and so what having a regulated nervous system is and we can define terms in a minute is not is it what it really is about is being attuned to yourself so that you have choicefulness so that you have agency so that you can decide what you is in your own best interest from moment to moment. So you have day-to-day, moment-to-moment awareness and presence and can say, I'm going to work really hard for the next three days. I'm going to build in a break. When I feel X, Y, or Z in my body, I am going to consciously, thoughtfully, lovingly choose to hit the brakes. Right. And so it's about being able to hear those small signals instead of running roughshod right over ourselves, which is again, often I'm, I'm a little sick and tired of everyone on the internet being like, did you know that liking peanut butter is a trauma response? Do you own shoes? <laughs> it's a trauma response. Do you have hair on your head? It's a trauma response. No, no, Megan, it's not a trauma response. It's okay. It's just, it's just a human, right? And sometimes it is a trauma response, right? So chronically running roughshod over all of our emotions, not letting them play out, not listening to ourselves often stems from not being listened to, not being attuned to, or it not being safe to listen to and attuned to ourselves in childhood. Mm, That makes so much sense. And so two things stood out to me when you said that, um, the nervous system and recognizing and, or knowing even what's happening in the body. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to pause and I'm going to come back to that, but also okay, when I'm in this and I'm using me as an example here, cause I yeah. know people can relate, but totally. when I'm in this overachiever, I have to do everything and start a million plus products and uh, projects and in my ADD and you know, all of these things, what stops me from stopping and taking a break is always if I stop, I'm going to lose my clients. If I stop, I'm going to disappoint the okay. people that are listening. It's that people-pleasing mentality. Sure. Right. How do we overcome those thoughts in our head when we want to just make everybody happy? We recognize that we get to be happy, and that's okay. Right? It's okay for you to be happy. It's okay for you to be calm. It's okay for you to be at peace. It's okay for you to take a breath. The trauma stories written into our nervous system are often screaming the most oppositist, like the very most oppositist, right? The trauma stories in the body, the body's, uh, the neural groove in the body that says, if I slow down, I die, is going to urge us onward. Pair that with living in late stage capitalism slash neo-feudalism, right? We, We live in a culture of productivity. Of go, 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 go. I'm from Argentina. After lunch, we go home for lunch. You leave your job at the bank for lunch. Come on now. Of course you do. Why go home? That's where you eat. That's where you're in parasympathetic. That's where you're chill. You're wearing your slippers with your grandma on your balcony. Go home. So different. And then we rest. Right. Then we have a siesta. We use sleep. You ate. So you sleep. How else are you going to digest, you silly goose? Lie down. Rest. 
I'll say, yeah, I'm not saying that Latin America and Europe aren't rife with people pleasing. I'm, I am, I actually can't opine either way. My point is that when the, when the familial blueprint and the ancestral legacy is to keep running, to keep buffering against our emotions by doing and doing and doing, and that is then uh, sponsored, co-signed by the culture right? That puts, puts the go-go-goer on a pedestal, right? Puts the multi-bajillionaire on a pedestal as though that's something to be proud of, right? It, it, it gets written into us in a deep and powerful way, right? That pleasing others over ourselves is that's laudable, especially for human socialized as women. Come on, what are we taught from day one, right? Oh, give it, give your uncle a kiss. I don't want to. Oh, go on. Your body and your autonomy, what you want matters so much less than his comfort. His comfort reigns supreme. Go on, give him a kiss. I know he like has all whiskers on his cheeks and he smells bad. Great. Good. Don't listen to your body. Leave your body. Dissociate in order to keep up politeness and societal pressures. Go for it. Come on, little girl. You don't matter, honey bear. You're fine. But your uncle, his comfort reigns supreme. So yeah, then we're 30 and we're 40 and we're 50 and we're gunning it. And we're not listening to our bodies because we were taught a very long time ago that that's not okay. It's, right? It's not what good girls do. Yeah. So that's the great unlearning. That is what we need to unlearn, right? We need to learn how to come back. This is the work I do with my clients. This is the work I teach on my podcast, Feminist Wellness. This is what we do is we learn how to map our nervous systems so we know what's up, so we can hear ourselves, so we can remember our, each of our individual first language, which is the language of self. Mm -hmm. So for someone who's trying to map out that nervous system, what does that look like? Let's just look at when our nervous system is trying to tell us something how do we recognize the signs and the symptoms that something is off or we need to pay attention to what's going on in our body? What might that feel like? So it's going to be super individual and it's going to shift over time. Yeah. And so what I find is more useful than, than giving a list of like, you may have tingling in your palms. Like it just sets people looking for stuff that may or may not happen or, or be present for them. Instead, I really encourage people to start actively checking in with their own bodies, actively asking their body what's up. I want to put a really big caveat here uh, to say that when your body has been the site of stress, distress, and trauma, it can often be really activating or collapsing to the nervous system to go into our bodies, to be present inside our bodies right? That, that's not always the super smartest thing to do, especially like alone at your own house without, you know, a coach or a therapist or some sort of support. So then what we want to do is just listen to how the body is communicating outward. And people might, you know, what I often will hear is like, well, my body's not saying anything. And I get that. Like, yeah, you've heard that a million times, right? Like my body's not talking, but, but it is. And, and, our work is to get quiet, right? Is to get quiet so we can listen in a way 
um, that will feel new. It's not new. You did it as a baby, right? You, you lay there in your little crib and you felt into your tummy, right? Something felt funny. So you listened to your tummy. You said, tummy, uh, are you hungry, tummy? I said, no. And you said, you said, um, eyes, are you sleepy? And I said, no. So you said, do I have to poop? And your body said, yes. <laughs> poop. Oh, come on, that's all they do. <laughs> so then you got it together. And you said, okay, body, poop. And then it, it hurt because it often hurts because, you know, they never ate before. And then what do you do? You listen to your body and you scream at the top of your God-given little lungs so that some bigger animal will come help you feel less scared because it hurt your butt. And you don't know what to do because you don't really know where butt is because you're brand new here, but you know it hurts. And I bring this up because I hear all the time, my body doesn't know how to talk to me. I don't, my body doesn't talk. And I lovingly call BS. Because if you have ever been a baby, and I'm just going to guess that most of your listeners were babies at some point. I'm not going to speak for all of them, but <laughs> most of them probably were. And at some point, most of your listeners have probably pooped and it hurt. Mm -hmm. Or were hungry, so they screamed. Or had a wet diaper. You see where we're going here. <laughs> right. And it's an important point that people aren't making. Also, I like making a baby voice. Let's just be very real about it. It's my thespian side. <laughs> Listen. Oh, I love it. Good. Because I ain't going to stop. My point <laughs> is the following. <laughs> Your body knows how to talk and you know how to listen. You just, it's like I used to speak near perfect French, right? Because we spoke it at home and then I lived in Mali for a while and now... I've oubliate all my words, like, let's be real, because I don't speak it, mm -hmm. right? But if I tuned in and I, I lived in France, if I were to move to France for a month or Quebec for a month, I would remember. So what does it mean to move to Quebec for a month? It means to get quiet. It means to sit in a patch of sunshine and put your hand on your heart and say, heart, what will you tell me? It's to put your hand on your belly and say, belly, what's up? One of the easiest ways to do this is with the quotidian BS of our daily lives. In the morning, before you grab for coffee without thinking about it, ask your body. Body, do you want coffee? And we've had coffee every morning for like 30 years. Is that what you want? Do you actually like it with cream, body? I mean, mouth does. Brain does. But do you? And I know it sounds dumb and that's cool. I don't care. I, I gave up being cool, like, or, like sometime in the early 90s. Like, I'm over it, right? Be that dork that talks to her, their tummy. Ask your feet what kind of exercise they want to do today. Don't just, like, hop on the Peloton or go to whatever class because it's your habit. Get mm -hmm. in communication. Start to talk to yourself, to your body, to the parts of you. How else are you going to hear you, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a coach and a professional tarot reader? Now, it's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a way to connect with your guides on life issues such as career and love and spirituality. And sometimes people need one-on-one coaching to help them through breakups, toxic relationships, healing the mother wound, their spiritual path, or navigating tools as an empath. So I do all of these things to help my clients pursue life and decisions and understand themselves. So if you are interested in one-on-one coaching or a tarot reading, click the link below to get started. Okay, back to the podcast. I think it's hard for some of us to get quiet enough to do that. Um, And sometimes getting quiet and listening is uncomfortable. Of course. Whether we've been taught not to or it's more comforting to ignore it and to distract ourselves. One thing you mentioned earlier um, about DNA and, and trauma can trauma be stored in our body? Does our body remember it? And if so, what do we do to combat that? Okay, so we I don't combat anything. I am opposed to violence. And so we need to take the colonial violence out of our language. I don't combat myself. I don't combat any part of me. I work in loving, caring concert with myself. I am my own ally, my accomplice, my co-conspirator. We are in love. We are teammates, me and this body. Yeah? So I don't combat a darn thing on this planet. Right? So we start from there. We choose love and we infuse love into our language because it matters. Yeah? So you are practical. I Fair you. enough. So uh, you're talking about epigenetics uh, and, uh, right, and ancestral ancestral trauma, uh, ancestral legacies. What do we do to support ourselves and care for ourselves, given the history um, that we carry in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits? Uh, I believe that the pathway is similar to any other stress, distress, or trauma. And it involves the three C's that I talk about a lot, compassion curiosity and care. So one, and you know, I'll add a not C, which is discomfort, right? You just said for many of us getting quiet, even for a millisecond is really uncomfortable to which I said, yes, yes, it is. And that discomfort is often the currency of making the change we want to make, right? And it sucks. I don't want, you know, but it's also amazing. (laughs) You know what I mean? We, we get to have willingness to be just a little uncomfortable, um, towards our goals of being in greater alignment with ourselves and the future we want to create for ourselves, which rarely comes when we just sit in the comfort and stealthfully avoid the discomfort of truth. So Going back once more to epigenetics, you, you're talking to an Argentine. We are storytellers. I mean, <laughs> go to Buenos Aires and ask someone how to get to the corner of the street you're actually on, and they'll say, well, in 1842, Sarmiento came to Buenos Aires. That's the wrong year, but you get my drift. And then in, well, 1919, I mean, you know what happened in 1919, and then Peron, and then you're off to the races, and you're like, damn, I just wanted to get a sandwich. <laughs> on this corner but it's been about a month that i've been in this conversation so uh, 
took up smoking, quit smoking, just in that one conversation, had a couple oh coffees. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, I wasn't expecting for this to be a comedy show. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. You might want to charge admission for this episode. Right. It's been yes. done. It's been. <laughs> so, uh, um, ancestral trauma. Yeah. Compassion. Right. So we are carrying that which came before us. So for, uh, I, I will speak to the context, the context of, uh, living in the United States of America, um, for folks whose ancestors were enslaved. Yeah. For black folks in the U S and others, mm -hmm. lots of other folks were enslaved in the U S and elsewhere. Um, that legacy lives on within one's body. Right. Mm -hmm. As well, like the history of the Holocaust lives in, uh, lives on within bodies of the ancestors of folks who are subjugate to that um, mm -hmm. mass genocide, like slavery was mass genocide. Um, that and the actual thing that happened to your great grandmother mm -hmm. lives on within us. You asked it, the very astute question is a question wait, what do you mean these things live in our bodies? And I get this all the time, right? Because mm -hmm. my training is in somatic experiencing, sensory motor psychotherapy as a coach, right? Like I work with the body. Somatics or body-based practices, that's mama's jam, right? That mm -hmm. and the nervous system polyvagal. I once had someone like a client really sheepishly on a group call go, wait, does it mean there's like anger in my armpit or whatever? <laughs> is there like, right? And she was like picturing like a tumor, you know what I mean? That there was like mm -hmm. physiologic tissue that was like angry tissue or sad tissue or traumatized tissue within the body. And I can understand why one might think that. It kind of makes some sense, right? But mm -hmm. no, that's not what it is. It's bracing. Yeah. And so the main thing we see is, is a history of bracing. And so bracing, meaning like you're a boxer in the ring and you got, you got your, your dukes up, right? You got your, your paws in the air and you're ready, right? You're braced against the next blow. Your shoulders are tight. Your arms are tight. Your, your paws are in fists and you're ready. You're ready to, to fight life, right? To fight your opponent in the ring. And so each stress, distress, and trauma that we experience and do not get the attunement that we need to process that trauma, right? So bad thing happens, loving, bigger animal goes, my sweet baby, bad thing happened. I'm here with you. I'm making eye contact. I'm offering consensual and appropriate touch. I'm here to support you processing this trauma through your, you fell off the swing set. That's scary, baby. Are you scared? It looks like, oh, you're crying. Oh, baby. Yeah, I see you crying. Yeah. How can I support you while you're crying? Do you want to get in mama's lap? Would you like me to pet your hair? No, don't pet your hair. I will not pet your hair. Can I put my hand on your knee though? Okay, that's nice. All right, baby. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're done crying. You want to go play again? Bye. That's attunement. That's appropriate attunement. Scary thing happens. We meet the animal with love, with consent, with presence, with intentionality. That's not written into that animal as trauma, right? That little six-year-old. I mean, if you've met a child, they often do that thing. I, I'm so upset. And then you love them and they're done with it right? They just like shake it off and they're done. It's, it's outstanding. 
But when we aren't met, and I'm just for all the nervous systems listening, I am not about to act out misattunement because that would be okay. <laughs> fucked up. That would be rude. And right. talk about trauma uninformed, right? Because we we all know what it sounds like, right? Let me give you something mm -hmm. to cry about, meow, meow, not doing it. Mm -hmm. So I fell off the monkey bars and either I go to my parent and they miss a tune, they totally miss it, they make it into a huge big deal or they underplay it or they're just like, okay, whatever. Or it's happened so many times that we're not met that we fell off the monkey bars and we just go sit alone under a tree somewhere and cry, right? Because we're so not securely attached to a parent. We know we're not going to get attunement there. So we don't even go for help, right? We just isolate and we just stay with it on our own, mm. right? All of this then gets written into the body. Fast forward 40 years, right? You didn't get the raise. You had the miscarriage. You um, forgot a big, big important thing at work. You, right, what, whatever the thing is. Or your partner just rolled their eyes at you. Your nervous system is constantly scanning the environment, looking for safety, that first parent, I, I shared with you, right? Or I played out for you, the attuned parent. Mm -hmm. Or unsafety, the second parent that we didn't play out because we're not monsters. Your nervous system will always prefer to find the unsafety because then it can reduce the chance of you dying. Very polite choice, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So your partner rolls their eyes. You get the, the negative or positive, whatever, the bad thing, lab work back, right? You don't get the raise. Your post doesn't get likes. Your mom doesn't call for your birthday. Meow, 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 on and on. Your nervous system takes that thing that happened and codes it the same as I fell off the monkey bars and no one came. I was hurt. I was bleeding. I was so upset. I lost a tooth, whatever. And I got yelled at, ignored, negated, overreacted at, or just didn't, already knew at six that but parents weren't the ones to go to, right? That attunement was not available there, and so I'm not even risking it, right? That's that, that staunchly independent side of codependency, mm -hmm. right? And so all of that creates a bracing in the six-year-old body that shows up in the 36 and the 46-year-old body. Oh, Yeah right? Where the thing happens that has nothing to do with the thing. But our bodies react like we're six, like we're eight, like we're 14, like it's some terrible time in the past. Mm -hmm. And it reacts in bracing, right? Tightening the body, which then lowers blood flow, lowers lymphatic flow, that works in concert with the vagus nerve to send us into sympathetic activation. Adrenaline's released, norepinephrine, eventually cortisol, which is a late stage hormone, but if we stay jacked up long enough, cortisol's released. And we're off to the races. We're in fight or flight, right? How dare you roll your eyes at me? I'm the worst that I didn't get that promotion. Of course, these labs are terrible. Nothing works out for me. God hates me. My body hates me. We go to 10 right? We go into that sympathetic activation. Eventually we run out of juice and we collapse into dorsal, which is checked out, disconnected. We're not even in the room reaction. And all of that 
stems back to our own stress, distress, and trauma from childhood or throughout life and the bracing patterns written into our body from our grandmothers and theirs and theirs and grandfathers and theirs and theirs and theirs and theirs and, theirs and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's so, it's so interesting when you say that too, because I think about, so my, um, my mom is Brazilian and Palestinian. Mm. And, you know, when I think about, you know, especially all the stuff going on now, um, the trauma that has been carried down from my grandfather to his children. So my mom and her sisters, and I know they've had a boatload of trauma and then the trauma that's passed down to even me, like even my cousins have said the same thing. And even though I didn't grow up with on that side of my culture, it's interesting who my cousins who have, we have the same stories. Right. We grew up very differently. They grew up mm-hmm. Muslim. They grew up Palestinian. I grew up with my mom who's like, nope, I want no part of it. But yeah. we have the same, same experiences. And it's because yeah. of that one thing in common yep. that they had that trauma and yeah. that disconnection that even I had with my mom of not getting the, you know, on, let's say on the playground and not getting um, right. the the affection that I, a, a child should have. And then growing up as an adult with my own hyper independence, because I know I cannot depend on anybody. So in order to survive in this right. world, I have to be super hyper independent, make my own money, depend on myself, depend on no one around me, because if I don't win, I don't succeed, the world fails and I might not survive. Sure. And all of that has been passed down. Um you know, and one thing that I noticed too, when it comes to the nervous system and um, physical symptoms, we're kind of switching gears here, but I want to talk about it is the, um, the symptoms I started noticing in the gut and mm-hmm. the physical symptoms I started experiencing. Sure. What is the connection when it comes oh, yeah. to the nervous system and what ends up happening in our body, like gut health? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start by raising a mate. Are you from Southern Brazil or the North? Um, my family is from Sao Paulo and Curitiba. Okay. So some materos amongst them, right? Yes. Yes. Yay. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's polite to slurp at the end. That's how you drink mate. In case anyone's like, ew, that was gross. No, it wasn't. Well, it was culturally not gross. Mira, <laughs> thank you for the softball because man, if there's anything I can talk about, it's the nervous system and poop having been a gastroenterology <laughs> nerd for my entire life. I asked um, the right question to the right person. You, you did. Congratulations. 10 points. <laughs> um, so I will be putting that in your permanent record. And uh, good you. questions asked. Yeah, well done. Um, listen, let's say you are chilling with your homegirls. You're eating some cheeseburgers, some fries, having a really nice afternoon. Can you picture it? Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm there. Okay, great. Yeah, you see it. You're like 96% of the way through a cheeseburger. You're really loving life. Okay, let's say out of nowhere on the great savanna of Orlando, <laughs> there comes a lion. So let's say like legit you hear, Roar, and you look up and you're like, what the fuck? That's a, like a legit lion. And he's like licking his chops and he's looking at you and he's like, ooh, Brazilian Palestinian, that is my favorite flavor. It's snack time. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Uh Uh-huh. 
So you not being an idiot, (laughs) right? You're not an idiot. Studies show. And so your heart starts pumping, right? Your heart rate goes up. Blood pressure goes up. You start to send all that blood to your heart, to your lungs, to your paws and to your feet, Mm -hmm. right? Humans will, first of all, we'll seek connection. That's, that's how the nervous system works. When that fails, because what are you going to do? Be like, pardon me, Mr. Lion. Actually, (laughs) let me talk to you about how I'm not delicious. That's not going to work. It's a lion, right? So what do you do? You bust a move. We know we are small. And don't, don't come at me. I'm six two. Compare yourself to a hippo, my friend. You are small. (laughs) You're going to run. You're going to bust a move. So what do you do? You start running down the beach right? As fast as you can. Your breathing is up at the top of your lungs <gasps> and you're panting and you're mm-hmm. flying down the beach because you, you can't out, you can't fight a lion woman. You're very well aware of this. So you're running as fast as you can. You're getting ready. You're mentally rehearsing because your vision has narrowed. Your th- cognition has come down to absolutely nothing. And all you can think of is where you can run. All you can see is where you can hide. And all you're thinking is, Punch in the snout, punch in the snout, go for the snout, go for the snout, right? Because that's what you learned in Lion Attack Prevention 101 class in high school. You took that in high school, right? Yeah, it's such a great class. I loved it. <laughs> Most people thought it was boring, but I thought it was really good. I, I liked knew it. it would come in handy. <laughs> Me too, right? Man, South American babes, we are prepared. We're prepared. We are prepared. Dictatorship or Lion Attack, we're ready. Yes. <laughs> we're ready. Financial collapse, been there, done that. Yep. Nothing. Nothing. What's a little coup amongst friends? Listen, you're running. Do you want your body to stop and to divert energy from your heart, lungs, paws, feet to digest that cheeseburger? Do you want your, yeah, do you? It's a question I'm asking. Do you want your body to stop Fight yeah. and flighting in order to digest a cheeseburger? No, or I want to no. live. You want to crap your pants and keep running, <laughs> right? Right. Or get constipated for days because the system just turned off, mm. right? Mm-hmm. I want right. to survive. I need to live. Sh- shit, yeah. You're yeah. busy. You got things to do. Right. Perfectly, I might add. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. When you are stressed, when you are in sympathetic activation – the, the body, so this is run by the subcortical brain, by the limbic system. The limbic system and all of its brilliance is not very smart. Shh, don't tell my limbic system I said that. She's going to be mad. The limbic system is binary. It sees black, it sees white. It sees good, it sees bad. It sees lion, tabby cat, cobra, stick, basta, simple, right? Mm-hmm. So the limbic system doesn't know if mama's being chased by a lion or if her mom just texted. Mm. They are both of equal importance when we're talking about crisis and panic and freaking the fuck out and getting the hell out of there. Panic. Huh? When sympathetic's activated, stomach is off. When dorsal is activated, stomach is off. There's There's a majillion little things that mean either diarrhea or constipation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, yeah, sympathetic tends to mean more diarrhea, right? Because it's fast. Everything's fast. Everything's going. Everything's moving. Everything. And then dorsal tends to be, which is the disconnected, the shutdown, tends to be more constipated because everything slows down. Logical, right? 
but there can be variants and there can be combination. There's something called mixed states where you're like three quarters dorsal with a little sympathetic, tired and wired. You're um, functional freeze, which is like half and half. It's like the Arnold Arnold Palmer of nervous system states. Let us not complicate our lives because we could be here for months. I mean, like I I run a six month course to explain Mm -hmm. this. Wait a minute. So wait, is that why when I get nervous and I'm Uh about to speak, I got to poop? Yeah. Because it makes sense. Because I'm like every time if I'm doing like a big interview or even an interview in general, I'm like, I have to poop before I go. Because you're not an idiot. Evacuate. Mm. Because you do you want to run full of poop? Right. It makes sense. No. Yeah. Don't don't do not be full of poop. Right. (laughs) Unless you're going to. You're you're dis- in disconnect and you're dorsal and you're shut down and you're likely to be either in the bed or under the bed, which biologically, evolutionarily is at the back of the cave, right? Mm-hmm. Then maybe you're going to need those nutrients. Maybe you shouldn't go outside. Maybe you shouldn't expend energy to like go poop. So how do we start to fix that? So if we know – if we're having gut issues, we're stressed, our nervous system is – kind of all over the place mom texts i know when my when my mom comes or when i'm gonna see her nervous system shuts down i become numb i have gut issues do i start with the gut do i start with the nervous system where do i start well they're the same thing so um i'm gonna just continue to be me from love and say we start with our language esl kids right always Mm -hmm. hearing all the language there's nothing to fix, mi amor, because you're not broken. Mm-hmm. Your nervous system is sensing a threat, and so it's having the correct, albeit annoying, but it's having the correct response to a stressor. Your brain Fair smells enough. lion, right? Yeah. So stop telling your body it's broken mm-hmm. for f- having a lion reaction to a lion. You know, because mm-hmm. the more, so what happens when you tell something you're broken, I need to fix you more sympathetic or more dorsal, more checkout. But what's not happening is, is ventral vagal, the safe and social part of the nervous system where we're chill. We can ideate. Things are copacetic. We feel good and our bellies feel amazing. And our thyroid is functioning optimally and our hormones are well balanced and our periods 28 days, easy peasy, no cramps, right? (laughs) None of that happens outside of ventral vagal because science. I mean, it's because science. And so we drop the language of fixing and we come into the language of gratitude. Mm. And wow, is that an annoying thing to say? I hear me. (laughs) I hear me talking. I had chronic digestive stuff my entire life, which is how I got into this work. Mm-hmm. Right. The last thing I would have wanted to do when I was, oh, I don't know, sharding on the six train, which is a great train, by the way, because like daytime mm-hmm. six, like the two, three is kind of better for crying and pooping on yourself, I must say. <laughs> but it really depends. Weekday, weeknight, you know, like it's variable. But I would go right. for a number train over a letter train if you're a New Yorker and you're looking for where to have a breakdown. Okay, good to know. <laughs> You're welcome. You're. I think you should charge for this episode. We'll we'll make a Google Doc for everybody. <laughs> I, th- I feel like that's really thoughtful. Put a link to the MTA. Um. Anyway, my point is this: 
I've been there with the gut stuff. And while I was in the midst of everything being the horrible frigging worst, I think I probably would have punched you right in the thyroid if you'd told me to be grateful for what my belly was doing. But at the end of the day, it was the most important part of my healing. Mm. That and getting a really good stool test because I had a parasite. <laughs> Combo. We need medicine and medicine, right? We need we all both. the medicine, right? So because yes. this nervous system work is medicine, but we also need like the right poop test. Mm-hmm. Bien. <laughs> so we start with that gratitude and a good functional medicine provider. And we remember that our bodies are doing what they're supposed to do. And then we decide to not be mad at them. And we rock and roll with that for a hot minute. Body, I'm not mad at you for giving me diarrhea. I appreciate what you're doing. You're trying to like, you're trying to balance things out. You're trying to make me feel better. You're trying to save me from imminent doom. I get that. I have a lot of gratitude for that. See what changes with just that. Right? I love that. It yeah, really, I, yeah. It can change a lot. It can change a lot, right? To mm-hmm. not beat yourself up. Studies mm-hmm. show it's pretty great to not treat yourself like crap. So for for someone like you, you know, like when you think back at how far you've come and the mm. work that you've done, not only yeah. with yourself, but with other people, yeah. what advice would you give your younger mm. self? If you mm. were looking at your younger self in the face right now, what would you say? Oof. Compassion, curiosity, and care. It's, it's, it's the only way. Why? We assume we know why we're doing things. <laughs> why is that the only way? Well, because if not, what's the opposite of curiosity? Know-it-allness, thinking you know why you're reacting the way you don't know why you're reacting until you pause, get quiet, and listen to yourself. A compassion. What's the opposite? Being a shit to yourself? Mm -hmm. Listen, if you could heal hurt with more hurt, you'd be healed by now. Right? Mm -hmm. But you can't, and you still feel like shit, so like maybe try being kind to you. No? And then care, love, kindness. Again, what is the opposite? Is being terrible to you? Eh? Where's that going to get you, mi amor? Where? Got me nowhere and fast. It kept me dysregulated. Whereas when I would curiously be like, wow, that person um, did this seemingly small thing. But inside, I felt like I, I, I felt like my, the bottom fell out of my heart. I felt just like so sad or so put out or so isolated or so, or somebody did a seemingly small thing. And I felt a profound desire to actually uh, rip their face off of their human body. I wanted to murder it bad. (laughs) What, what, what is that? Mm -hmm. Hey, hey body, hey inner children, hey self, what's up? I was working with a client recently and she was going to bed and she's in this beautiful, loving partnership. Her husband is incredible. I've done couples work with them and, and, and work with just her and they're great. And they were talking about it's something. It doesn't really matter what it was. Oh, moving. They were talking about move, potentially moving. And to say she, these, these are her words, she came in to me and she said, I, I totally freaked out. Like I flipped out and I created a crisis and I just don't know why. And I'm so mad at myself for creating this huge freak out when like 
we can just talk about anything in my marriage. Mm -hmm. So we've got really curious and it's my job to ask really smarty pants, curious questions. And what we ended up getting down to was this. She's the youngest of six. Mm -hmm. And if she wasn't creating a scene, she wasn't listened to. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time she just wasn't listened to and that was okay. I mean, it wasn't, but it was okay enough. I mean, it sucked, but it was okay. And around this issue, every inner child within her, every part of her needed to assure that she would be heard because this really matters and it really scares her and it activates a lot where she hasn't felt heard around this in previous relationships. And so in a loving, caring adult relationship where she really could have just said, Frank, I just, I, I feel really stressed out by the, even talking about moving. Mm-hmm. Instead, she made a scene, right? And she create, she cultivated a crisis without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. Because the six-year-old in her smartly knows that's the only way to get heard when you're that six-year-old, mm-hmm. right? And so if we don't pause and we don't get curious, we don't hear the little ones talking. We don't hear, if we're not using the lens of compassion, why every freakout makes sense. Because it does. Every freakout makes sense. And we, we won't learn that we won't grow and we won't evolve. Meanwhile, living the essential human task is to live into our authenticity with presence and intentionality with a huge open heart towards the goal of healing the world being a part part and parcel of the healing of the world. And I believe that growth is only possible when we're kind to ourselves. And when we ask curious, loving questions, instead of just being like, ugh, I was such a jerk last night. Mm-hmm. Own, own your behavior, take responsibility, apologize, always here for it. But don't assume that was for nothing or that you're something broken about you or something to fix or something wrong. Your nervous system dysregulated and it is always for a really, really, really good reason. Mm. Right? Be kind to yourself. Have more compassion. I'm going to take that away from this conversation. Um, mm. I, I love the work that you're doing and even just the way that you explain things. I've had a lot of conversations on this podcast about nervous system regulation. Um, I will say that this has probably been the most uh, easiest one to digest and understand mm. also the most comical and, and entertaining way of doing You're so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was definitely not expecting that coming into this conversation, but you're a breath of fresh air. It, it, this is wonderful talking to you. And um, I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing because it's important work. It, it truly is uh, to understand both sides of medicine, to understand that they're mm. both important um, and to help others understand that as well. And, um, you know, thank you for just continuing to, to do everything. And I'm so glad that we connected and I'm going to make sure that I link everything for everyone to find you. Um, but is there anything that you're working on or anything you want to put out there and I'll link it for everyone listening? Yeah. Um, so I made a little present. (gasps) Oh, just for your listeners. I know who doesn't like presents, right? (laughs) So, um, this show is called diary of an empath. So Mm. if you go to Victoria Albina, A L B as in boy, I N A dot com slash diary, just keeping it simple here. You can download a suite of meditations of inner child meditations, um, nervous system, regulating exercises, boundaries, all sorts of stuff. And 
You can't beat the price. It's F-R-E-E. Uh, and it's just for your listeners, victoriaalbina.com slash diary. Uh, my podcast is called Feminist Wellness, my six-month program where we do all this work. Everything we've been talking about here today is called Anchored. You can learn more at victoriaalbina.com slash Anchored. We'll start again in the new year. And you can follow me on the gram. I give good gram at Victoria Albina Wellness. I'm gonna link it below. So just scroll down, look below. Down. If you're if you're listening or listening, scroll down. The links are there. Um, and you know, I'm not surprised you have meditations because you have one of those voices. I'm like, okay, you mm-hmm. can either do meditations or you can do sex work. I think either one would do do you I well. Mean, I hear both. you could do Why both. Not? Like I, I could I do hear both. The, I have that kind of faith in me. You and you have that kind of voice. So <laughs> close you. your eyes and listen. Um, Maria Victoria, thank you yes. so much for coming on the show and so glad we connected. It was such a pleasure. Thanks again for having me.